Welcome to Still Talking Uncut. We're your host, Sean Rigsby. I'm Big Easy. Joined today by the Whiskey Man, Mr. Whiskey Man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lorenzo Alvarado from uh, Master Stiller. It was uh, George Washington Rye, correct? That's right. Yeah, season two, George Washington Rye. Nice, nice. Well, welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you here. It's a privilege to meet you finally. You know, I I watched you on TV and, uh, you know, I follow you on on some socials, what you're on. So, you know, yeah, uh, I'm real, real intrigued with what you got going on, man. It's what you do is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I thank you. Yeah, and I appreciate you guys inviting me on the show. Um, Yeah, thank you. Thank, glad to be here. Anytime, man. Anytime. So, uh, easy. What are you drinking on over there? So, you know how we went to Flat Rock two weeks, uh, weekend, uh, Saturday, uh, Saturday before. And I that, man. Come on. I'm getting there, man. Don't rush me, Sean. Always pushing me, man. But, <laughs> anyways, um, I picked up a bottle of his three year bourbon he had there. It was out of everything we tried. I liked that the best. I mean, besides the corn liquor, you know, like that clear, clear the best. But you know, I had to, had to pick up some of that three years. So, I know you've been a little under under the weather. Um, you over there drinking uh, chicken noodle soup and Metamucil. How you feeling? Metamucil. <laughs> I'm drinking some of that Cincinnati Distilling, uh, 120 barrel proof. Ooh, nice. The kick of the Fed don't man well. But should uh, stop drinking. Hey man, when you get sick, you got you, you got sanitize from the inside out. So, well, I'll uh, I'll join you guys. I got a little um, Kentucky Owl here, um, the Saint Saint Patty's collaboration. So, Ooh, nice. Cheers, cheers to you guys. Uh, yeah. Cheers to you. Lorenzo, you're out of uh, Fayetteville. Oh, I'm um, so originally born in Fayetteville, but I I currently live in um, Bardstown, Kentucky. I, I watched the show earlier. You know, uh, <laughs> Sean, I was like, "What episode is he on?" So I couldn't find it, and I knew that because I knew that you were on the same season as Sean, but I just got tired of going through it. So, um, yeah, yeah, man, it was, the show the show was interesting. You know, it's um, you, you get to make booze on on tel- national television. So, but um, but yeah, that's that's how I know Rigsby. We we met on the show. And, so uh, you was you're the first person. You're the first person to come on that was there when Sean was a drunk lush. Oh my god! Yeah, boy. I've been waiting <laughs> on this. Yeah, we um. Well, see, you got you to gotta understand the setting, right? Because they, the show put all the contestants in the same hotel for, like, easy access to um, uh, to where we were filming, right? Yeah, it, and, it makes sense, you know, logistically-wise. They put everybody together. Um, did they transport you back and forth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever was shooting that day, you'd get in the van, and they take you to, to the set and whatever. But, you know, you, you got to imagine, you got, like, 20 distillers of all you know shades and, and colors and experience you got some some hobbyists you got some commercial distillers you got just all different 
shades that's, of green there. That's at a minimum 20 different types of liquor. Uh, yeah, <laughs> at, right. At and that's, minimum, that's what happens. 20, and, and I don't know if you're like me, but, man, they're like Pokemon. I got to try them all. Right, <laughs> yeah. No. Well, and, and you wanted to, you know, because uh, this guy had a, a strawberry something, and this guy had something completely different. And, um, you know, it's kind of a, of a friendly – gesture to try other people's stuff and, and get you know get to know them get to know what they make and um sean did that he uh he <laughs> he met he um there was a couple i can't remember which one i mean you just drank the whole jar um <laughs> i would ask if you remember but I, you probably don't um you, you you're here to remember for him you know, right. He, there's a lot of details that he was never able to fill in over the last year of doing right. podcasts because you just don't know. <laughs> so I, yeah, get yeah. I, I get it. We've all had them nights. Like, uh. I feel like it was an apple or something. Yeah, that sounds right. I knew it was a flavored something, but yeah. boy, it went from sipping to gulping, and the jar was done in like 20 minutes. And, um, <laughs> Rigsby got got the yeah started Sway. doing the shimmy the Sway. shimmy by himself. <laughs> he sways like wheat. He reminds me of wheat in the wind. He just he gets Maggie. I call it Maggie Valley drunk. He gets Maggie Valley drunk and he's just swaying in the wind, like nobody touch him. He might fall over, <laughs> but he makes it. You know, he makes it. Yeah, it was good times. Good times. Did the next morning, did the ride in? Did you uh, get a little drunk off of Sean just being around his, being around him? Did I? Yeah, just, you know, the ride in. He's so, so hung over, reeks yeah. alcohol, <laughs> catch a buzz, yeah. just riding in the car with him. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think I behaved myself for the most part on, on that trip. <laughs> yeah. uh, but. Somebody had to, you know, it sounds like Sean. Drank enough had, for all of you. One yeah. night, one night, and it just so happened to be the night before we had to film. <clears throat> before I had to be up at six thirty. Damn, is he you killing that cat over there or what? They're fighting outside the door. <laughs> but uh, tell us a little bit about how you got started. Uh, started in the industry. Um, so kind of interesting. Um, I had a buddy that uh, we started doing some startup companies with. Um, we were living in San Diego and he had some extra disposable income that he wanted to invest into a business. So we came up with any kind of neat idea that we could think of and, and started putting together these startup businesses. Um, while that was happening, he bought into a small distillery project in uh, East San Diego. And um, he ended up buying these guys out and um, immediately found out, like, we, we know nothing about this industry, how to make whiskey. Uh, so we kind of stopped all the shenanigans and, and like small projects and decided to kind of focus our energy on, on this distilling idea. Um, and things didn't really work out in San Diego and, and, and both being from, from Arkansas, we decided to, to move the project to Arkansas. Um, in the process of doing this, we again, realized that we know nothing about this process, know nothing about this industry, uh, but, but would like, would like to be in it. 
you know, so while we were kind of developing our, our business plans, we decided to go to Louisville, Kentucky and get, get some education. So we, we signed up for Moonshine University. Um, at the time, they were, they were one, if not the only, one of the only uh, folks offering any type of education into the industry. So I ended up taking every course that they offered. You know, I just, you know, the first one was, was more into distilling and the process and what it takes to kind of run a distillery day-to-day operations, right? Um, and that kind of set the tone for me and just fell in love with the process. And, and it was just really interesting to take grain and cook it and ferment it and distill it. And then you get booze and then you had to age it. So all these components of the process just really, really intrigued me. And, um, man, I picked up every book I could, I could find, get my hands on, um, anybody who was in the industry, I tried to ask them questions, um, was just, again, really intrigued. So that allowed me to learn enough to understand my project better in Arkansas. And, um, so this started back in, in, end of 2012, 2013. And um, that's, that's pretty much where I cut my teeth in, in building this distillery, um, learning the ins and outs of, of the process equipment. Um, and that's kind of where it all began from. So from there in 2019, I decided to move on, you know, uh, the distillery was doing well. They, they got match bills, we got products, we got the um, the bars moving along, so I decided. You know, I was like, "What else is out there in the industry for me?" And um, ended up taking a job um, as a master distiller in uh, for another distillery in Houston, Houston, Texas. Um, and that went great. You know, had had a little bit different of responsibilities. Uh, I was did some brand ambassadorship, you know, go out, talk to people about the brand, tell them about our process, our story. Uh, did a lot of quality control for the distillery for basically any liquid that went in a barrel or in a bottle. I had to kind of sign off on it, make sure the consistencies were there. Um, and, and really enjoyed that until about COVID COVID hit and, and they shut down whiskey production, which is crazy. Um, but being that we were one of the largest distilleries west of the Mississippi, uh, we decided to change gears and, and start making hand sanitizer. So we were able to produce a lot of that and, and you know, feed the need, right? Yeah, it seems like 2020 came and that's what everybody did at, at distilleries. It was like it was a joint effort and it was hand sanitizer. <laughs> Right. Sorry, man. Someone in the comments is making a comment. Sorry. <laughs> Joke uh, on that one, Sean. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. But <laughs> never mind. Hey, you see, um, did you guys like hit hit the hand sanitizer hit sanitizer hard like everybody else did? Yeah, I mean, and we had big contracts come through. So, uh, Homeland Security, first responders, um, Amazon reached out to us. Um, it, we were just able to produce a lot of it, you know, so it, it really helped the, those first couple of months getting into the pandemic and, and getting that going, you know, which is cool. Like I re- totally respect why we did that. 
Um, but I, personally, I, I'm not passionate about making hand sanitizer, you know, no, no. so. <laughs> it um, won't get me drunk. Well, it might, but it might make me sick at the same time. So. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a pretty straightforward recipe. You know, one part, two part, one part, yeah. and now you know here you go. So, um, my passion is whiskey. You know, and and being that we shut down production, um, and they didn't really have any insight into when they would open that back up. So, I decided that I was like it's probably a good time to move on. And, and, um, um, so I did my, my family and I traveled the country for about 14 months. I did some consulting on the side and, um, that was, that was that for a little bit, you know, and, uh, eventually one of the people I was consulting for was, was here in Bardstown and, uh, they offered me a full-time position and that brought me out here to Bardstown. Um, I'm no longer with that company. I've moved on to to working with Kentucky Owl here here in Bardstown, um, but but in a nutshell, that's that's been my career. It's been about right out a decade now in the industry, and uh, man, just just happy to be here, happy to be a part of it. It's you know, it's nice to do what you love, <laughs> you know, love what you do. So, right. Yep. If not, it's uh, in your life working, you know. But if you love what you're doing, even they say it's not work. I think it probably is just a little easier, you know. But uh, so tell us a little bit about. I know you said Moonshine University. Uh, you yeah. jump, jumped in that. Tell everybody kind of what the benefit of that is. I know me and you've kind of talked about it off camera before. Uh, yeah. But just you know, kind of talk about that. Sure. Well. Any, any form of education, I think, is fantastic. You know, I think you, you can't stop learning, and especially in this industry. You know, um, uh, Sean, you and I were talking about, you know, the guy that makes tequila. Um, we may have some similar processes, but he knows and has challenges and struggles that are way different than mine when I'm making whiskey. So there, there's always that perspective, you know, and, and the only way to get there is education. But um, so Moonshine University, uh, they, they really focus on really a lot of different components um, within the industry. I'd say the, one of the primary focuses, though, is, is running a distillery, the day-to-day -day operations. And then they have these real um, kind of more focused classes that are, are kind of nuanced in, in the industry, right? So maybe this class is more particular on whiskey making. This one's more particular on gin making. Um, and then they just dive into those topics. So if it's, if it's gin, the gin course that you're taking, they're probably going to talk about absinthe. Um, they're going to talk about tinctures. They're going to talk about how those botanicals affect the spirit in, in, in all capacities, taste, aroma, uh, flavor profiles, um, so besides the education component, you also have this networking component. So you're immediately set into this room of industry professionals from all aspects of the industry. Um, you may have a speaker who's a lawyer who deals with trademarking. Uh, you may deal with uh, a, a guy who's a rep for a chilling, a chiller company. 
So he's going to talk to you about the problems and things you should be thinking about when sizing your chiller. Um, and, and these guys are here to answer questions. They're here to support you as you go on to your venture. You can also hire them. You know, they're, they're there uh, to sell you a product is really like, like the chiller guy, for instance, you know, he, he wants to sell you a chiller. Um, so there, there's all these different components of moonshine. U. I I have found it, uh, in, incredibly helpful, you know, just from the beginning of my career in, in that education and, and really understanding not only the industry, but the day-to-day -day operations, um, my focus was whiskey, so I tried to take as many of those courses as I could. And that really helped me get a, a firm grasp on what I wanted to do in the industry and the things that were important to me. Um, and then on the networking side, you know, I, I still am in contact with some of the guys that I met there 10 years ago. And, you know, a lot of those guys have helped me out through my career, whether it was, with just asking stupid questions and they had good answers um, job recommendations. I mean, like just anything I can throw at these guys, they were always there to help. And that's, you know, getting into a new industry in my thirties. Um, it's, it's kind of scary. You know, you're like, yeah. I don't, who do I depend on? Who do I ask stupid questions? Um, so it, it was really nice to have that support, that external support from people who are in the industry. So you know, big, if you're going to, fan. Yeah, if you're going to learn, you might as well learn, learn, learn the right way. You know, it's not, it's not so much, you know, it's like going to college. It's like going to college to get a degree, you know, like the professors at a college, they know what they're doing. They, it's what they do. That's what they're trained to right. do. That's their job. And so who better to ask, you know? Right. Right. And I feel like they would talk about things that <clears throat> the normal distiller wouldn't think about. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, just saying, hey, you know, I want to open up like a small craft distillery. Like they wouldn't know, you know, the ins and the outs as to where you go there. They do talk about that. And you're like, oh, shit, that's a lot more in depth than I thought it was. Right, right. And it's, I mean, man, you know, two, two of my favorite guys, one of them worked at Jim Beam for 30 plus years. Uh, the other guy worked at 1792 Martin for, for 30 plus years. So the, the things that they've encountered, the things that they've learned, the experience they, that they have is unmatched. You know, like they're, they're already 30 years ahead of me. So they, they've already thought about all the, all the things that I'm going to mess up, you know. So it's great to be able to, to bounce ideas or, or just be mentored by guys like that and, and ask stupid questions, you know, because – they have great answers. <laughs> hey, you know, there are there are no stupid questions. Just people who are afraid to ask them, you know. Like, if you don't know, right, ask. Right. You know, I don't care if yeah. it's been asked to me a hundred times. You don't know, ask. It's just the way it is. So. Right, right. That's how you learn. You know, like you said, you're talking to these guys with 30 years experience. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I want to ask him because he's already forgotten more than I'll probably ever know. <laughs> and so exactly. I want to know his take on it because, like you said, he's been there. He's done that. He's made that mistake. So, yeah, I mean, we're all searching for that guy that has, has made those errors. Oh, the boss is awake. <laughs> How you doing, boss? Sick. Yeah. Little yeah. yeah. She feeling better? A little bit. But, uh, I can't see, but. 
But um, so if you, I know you're big into whiskey, but uh, if you had to pick, what what what's your favorite thing to make? Um, you don't have to get into like you know the recipe itself, but sure. I mean, so I mean, so I I enjoy just tinkering around. You know, I, I would say one of my favorite stages of making booze is the ferment, fermentation process. You know, that's that to me is, is real fun. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy making spirits. You know, um, I, I make more whiskey just because I know more about it um, than, than I do, like, than say tequila, you know. Um, but uh, but I, I just, I really enjoy making spirits, you know, just any of it. Um, so, um, steam, you run, run off steam at the distillery, right? Yes. Uh, right. So I, the, where I work right now, we're, we're actually building a whiskey park, so we don't have a distillery. Uh, Kentucky Owl product is currently a blended whiskey. So, um, but the machines that I've worked at, at the distilleries in the past were steam driven. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm, you know, we haven't had a whole lot of guys that run steam on here. So, um, what what type of advantages do you feel like you get out of running off steam that you wouldn't get off of flame or or, you know, wood? <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Or like electric steel. Yeah, yeah. That's where I was going, um, but for some reason wood fire popped into my head. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you gotta you gotta remember in a commercial setting, it's it's driven financially, you mm -hmm. know. So you wanna be efficient with with your processes um, because time is money, you know. So steam offers efficiency in in the power that you're that you need to steam your your mash ton, your still. Um, it's just a more efficient process uh, and, and very consistent. You know, it, I can, once you get to know your system, you know, you can set it and for the most part, it'll stay there. You don't have to keep checking if the flame is getting too hot, my agitator moving everything around. There's less things to worry about. You know, you can focus on, on other things like, like the distillate coming out. Um, but I think in all different settings, um, different systems have, their advantages, you know, there's with the, with the project I'm, I'm working on now, uh, we're looking to build a pilot distillery. So this is not our, our, our big showpiece. This is, this is a small hundred gallon system. Um, for this hundred gallon system, it's an electric kind of Bain Marie style still. So it has a jacket that you could fill up with water or oil, and there's a, a heating element that'll heat that up. And that's how your kettle gets hot. Um, Electric systems, generally speaking, are not as efficient as steam. But in this setting, this is the perfect setup. You know, I don't, I don't want to yeah. buy a boiler. I don't want to buy a chiller. This is, this is a really small operation that doesn't necessarily need those things. So um, the electric steel is, is perfect for a hobbyist, you know, somebody who just does fun stuff at home. Open flame is fantastic. You know, it's manageable. 
you know, it's a, it, it's, it's probably some of the items that you have at home, a, 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 you know, your, your deep fry for your, for your Turkey. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, um, yeah. So, you know, I think depending on, on your situation, um, that will kind of determine the system that's best for, for what you're trying to do. Everything has its place, you know? Yeah. Everything absolutely. has its place, whether it's uh, what type of heat you're using, what type of steel you're using, you know, if, if you do it backwood style, if you do it super technological style, like, you know, everything has its place for its person. Everything finds its own for the right person. So, you know, it's just, right. it's really awesome to hear you talk about steam. Cause you're, I think you're the first person to talk about steam. So, yeah, I'm really intrigued about that. Yeah, there. I mean, and and it's 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 not to say that um, one can come before the other. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe we're a small operation like this pilot distillery set up with the intent to to expand. Um, but I need to create some revenue. I need to create some buzz. So my next five years, this is my setup. It's an electric still. We'll get some bankroll. And then our plan is is to expand and get get a larger system. So, you know, I, again, just kind of to your point is depending on what you what you need, what your setup is, what your finances are, may may determine what uh, kind of setup is is right for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So you're big into uh, <clears throat> aging and stuff like that. Uh, so, in your opinion, what what does wood do to a spirit? You know, what flavors and aromas does it bring out that you enjoy? Yeah. Um, so, generally speaking, what a barrel does to a spirit um, is it adds complexity. It, it's going to change. Um, well, so there's a lot of there's a lot of things, chemical reactions that are happening inside of that barrel um, that happen with oxidation so air coming into that barrel um when the seasons change the hot to the cold you know that's that's going to push that liquid in and out of the wood which is is constantly breaking down the wood um which a lot it was allowing it to well so two things it's, it's extracting the alcohol is extracting from the wood and then the water um and and alcohol are also breaking down uh those wood molecules right so with all that being said, um, that spirit is maturing. Uh, the harshness that you would get from from a young spirit has started to kind of mellow out. Um, you know that complexity starts to get interesting. The um, those those different types of aromas and tastes like vanilla, butterscotch. Uh, those are those are some of the more popular ones. But baking spices. Um, you know, depending on what type of whiskey you're drinking, uh, you may get some stone fruit and and plummy grape kind of uh, uh, aromas and, and tastes. But all that comes from the barrel, you know. So so the spirit adds the base to um, to the spirit, right? So if if it's made from corn or whatever those were raw materials that you used, that's definitely going to shine through. When when the oak gets involved. Um, it just adds like another layer of, I keep saying complexity, but uh, that's, that's the word, you know, like, <laughs> it, it makes it more complex, complex, you know, <laughs> right. 
it gives it gives you stages, you know, it gives you more stages to go through when when you're tasting it, you know, like you're getting it here, you're getting it there, you're getting it over here. And right. it's just, you know, and if you really like that, then that's your thing, you know. If you like it clear, then you just like it clear. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. Not not to you know, yeah, not to knock on, on clear spirits, you know, because that's how we got here, you know. So but um but yeah, I I enjoy aged whiskey and um probably one of my favorite things are uh barrels that are finished in a different or whiskey that was finished in a different barrel. You know, I, I um, you know, if you drink a lot of bourbon or whiskey, you, you start to really understand kind of like a standard. You're like, okay, I know, I know what I'm going to taste in this. I have an idea. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but when you get these, these finished barrels, I really enjoy it because it's a surprise, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's the same thing that you're used to, but, but there's that little flair that just makes it really interesting. Like, so if it was finished in a Cabernet barrel, you know, it's going to make it a little bit more dry. It's going to give it that, that wine essence. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but it's surprising. It's like bourbon with a twist, you know? So that's, I've, I've always really enjoyed, or here recently, I've really enjoyed finished, finished whiskey. Have you ever, um, you ever experiment with the, what they call rapid aging with the spirals and, and, and the, the quick the quick have you ever experimented with that and if yeah. and if so you know like what how do you feel that compares to time in a barrel because that's that's a big that's a big thing a lot of people talk about is you know rap, rapid aging and you know let's let's age this and so i just want to you know you do a lot of barrel aging so i just want to know how you feel on that or what you yeah. think you know so i think it's it's mislabeled you know it it's it's not rapid aging. You're um, cause you, you can't buy time or you can't speed up, <clears throat> you know? Um, so, so just right off the bat, I think it's mislabeled. What, what it is, is an Oak infusion. You know, you're, you're introducing um, Oak in a way that may extract faster, mm -hmm. not necessarily age faster, but extract faster. So for instance, um, in the same, in the same conversation, if I was to put whiskey and let's say like a 15 gallon versus a 53 standard gallon barrel, um, the same, the same kind of conversation, like, oh, it's, it's going to age quicker. Um, because you have more liquid to surface ratio, you're going to extract the wood quicker or, um, but that doesn't necessarily again, buy time. If you were to set them side by side, um, you know, let's say a five year and, and this rapid age that was six months, um, you, you can see or you can taste the different oak extractions. You know, they, this one, the, the, the five year or five month, um, I mean, it, it tastes like wood. You know, there's, yeah. there's not a lot of that, that complexity to that deep level that we were talking about where the time in the barrel has had time to break down the barrel and mm -hmm. oxidation, all that chemical process has happened. So it's matured in that complexity. Um, so, and, and not to say it's a bad thing, you know, well, I, I think right. it, again, it has its place, you know, if it's, it's great for experimenting. If you want to get an idea of maybe the trajectory of where that flavor profile is going, 
small barrels are great. Barrel inserts are great. Um, but I, it, it doesn't replace time. You know, right. they're, yeah. they're just not the same thing. You know, no, no. I, I call it rapid coloring and rapid flavoring. There, you okay. Know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's rapid coloring and flavoring. That's how I see it. And, um, you know, you're, you're putting a good color to it. You're adding some flavor to it. But like you said, man, you can't fake the age. You can't fake time. Nothing, right. nothing beats time. And, like and there's, right, right. And at the same time, there are technologies out there that do interesting things to the barrel. I don't, I don't know if, if it's rapid aging, but it's it's breaking down those molecules, those chemical reactions that are happening over time naturally, um, can kind of sort of happen with this technology. So there's one, uh, TerraPure is is a company and, and technology that's been around for a little while now. Um, there's there's a distillery in Owensboro that's that I, one of the founders had had something to do with this, but but basically they're they're sending sonic waves into the barrel that break down uh, these esters and phenols to mimic what would happen uh, with time and oxidation, that chemical natural process. It mimics it with these, with these sound waves, right? Um, there's Jefferson's ocean, um, you know, not to say it's fast aging, but, but they they take these barrels on the boat. They go into the ocean. The barrel moves or the boat moves them around, and and it's not fast aging, but it's it's irritating that liquid in there. So yeah. it's constantly doing something, right? It's 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 forcing it to change, versus staying stagnant and letting yes. nature take its course, right? Like if, so, you, if you throw a spiral in a jar and shake it and keep shaking it. It's right. going to color a lot faster than if you just set it on the counter and let it sit there. And left it there, right. So so there's there's things that can induce um, that process maybe a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. But again, it's it's not the same thing. You know, I mean, you can, you can put those two products next to each other. They may have some similarities, but they're just not the same, you know, so... And I don't have a problem with any of those. I think no. they, they all have their place. They all have a function with a value. Um, but when you mislabel them, I think they're misinterpreted and they're just not being used properly. <laughs> so, you know, I could see, I could see it originating <laughs> from, you know, money. It's a market play. You know, I'm, I'm going to sell these. Let's, let's get these money. But, you know, the people learn. Yeah. You're right. You know, people learn, you know, and, and, you know, and we all start somewhere, you know, so they're great for what they are. They're great for the beginners and, and they're great for experimenting. And but if, if you can fill a barrel, fill you a barrel and put it up because you ain't going to beat that ever. Well, and there's there's like any, you know, there, there's other things that that affect like, OK, just for instance, those 15 gallon barrels. Um, it's not so thinking of as a commercial distillery it's not cost effective for me to fill up let's say 115 gallon barrels because the ricks the have to be made custom the barrels custom 
that barrel is almost the same price as my 53 gallon <laughs> barrel say because it. it's a custom size. Yeah. Um, so when you start storing them, your barrel racks, you're going to have way more wood that's going to carry that 15 gallon barrel. So now, now you're taking up storage space that could have been used with the standard 53 gallon barrel. So now your cost went up and your storage got taken away with smaller barrels. You know, so there's there's other factors you got to consider when trying to fast age or, you know, what, like, like what's its purpose? Are you, are you trying to sell fast age? Are you just experimenting? Mm-hmm. Um, is it cost effective for you? You know, those, those are kind of some of the things that, that I, I think about um besides just like fast aging yeah well you know you're also thinking from the mind of a a distiller you know you of a a distillery you know you're you're thinking about the bottom dollar and you know like you said cost efficiency because at the end of the day that's what it's all about as to where the local backwoods distiller will be thinking about the quicker dollar Right. Yeah. You know, and, you know, they're just they're different applications, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. some, some of the groups that I know we're part, we're part of a lot of the same uh, online forums and stuff. Um, it's not efficient. You know, you're, you're spending more money than you could ever make, you know, making that stuff. But he's a hobbyist, you know, it's, that's not, you know, he's just making it for fun. So it's, you're not thinking about, um, the same things I'm thinking about, which, which is fine, you know. So what's your hey. ideal, say, uh, a 53-gallon barrel, what's your ideal length of time minimum in that barrel? I know, obviously, you know, it can you can overdo it, you know, but. Yeah, like what's my sweet spot? Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't touch a barrel till it was at least five years old. I think that's, that's my minimum. Um, and we're talking 53 gallon full size barrel, right? Right, right. Okay. 53 gallon standard size barrel, um, minimum five years, maybe four years. You know, you, I like to try them in that time frame because you may find a four year that's just ready to go. Um, my favorite barrels are in the eight, nine, sometimes 10 year, uh, kind of time frame. That's, that's where I found, you know, I like, I like real sweet barrels, naturally sweet barrels. Um, and that's where I find my kind of sweetness is, is in that, that age range. But there's, again, like there's a lot of factors that go in there is, is was, was the barrel toasted? Uh, what level char was it seasoned? You know, all those, all those little nuances to that barrel can can change that characteristic. So where where it's at, you know, like yeah. region region is a big difference, right? Like, like here in Ohio, like we're in Ohio, you know, it's so drastically different. Like we go from seventy and sunny to freezing and snowing in in two days, <laughs> right? As opposed to you know being in Texas somewhere where it's fucking never forty degrees. Right. Yeah. No, the, when I worked in Houston, um, and again, it's that extraction, you know, the, um, when you have real hot climates and that it doesn't get a chance to cool down, it's constantly extracting. 
you know, so those barrels that are two years old would have extracted more wood flavoring or wood components than it would have in Kentucky because it's had, it's had two seasons to cool down. We had winter, an actual winter, it snowed, you know, so that, that kind of slows that process down, you know, so, um, and, and there is, there is a, there is a tipping point for me, you know, when, when you start getting those, uh, 15 plus year old whiskeys, they start to get real oaky, you know, mm-hmm. a, a little bit, a little bit of the, the tannic is in there. Um, some people really like that, you know, so it's, I guess you, you got to know who your audience is and who you're making whiskey for, you know? So if it's people like me, eight to 10 year old whiskey, pull it out of the barrel. It's ready to go. Oh yeah. Well, people like me, I like it the clearer, the better. <laughs> you were just sipping on something brown, weren't you? I'm trying. He, he only brought he brought that out because you're the whiskey man. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. You know, we, we, we show out a little bit for certain guests. So uh, he didn't want yeah. you talking too bad about him being super drunk in, in Tennessee. So Oh man. <laughs> about that. Let's talk about the load of uh, grain he come down with. So oh, he, for the show. <laughs> Yeah. So he well, brought as, he brought as much grain as you brought sugar. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think he brought more. A lot <laughs> <Yeah>. more. <laughs> I, th- I think I brought um, 200 pounds of grain. I brought four 50 pound sacks. May- Actually, I think I brought a little bit more than that. I think uh, I thought you brought, brought like five or ten sacks. Man, there was it was a lot of grain. Well, and I didn't, I didn't know how big the system we were working on was, was going to be, you know, they just said, bring your own, bring your own materials. So I, I was like, man, I don't, I don't want to be short and not have enough. I'd rather have too much and, you know, end up giving some of it away, but better to have it, not need it. That's right. Need it, not have it. That's right. Um, so talk a little bit about, uh, uh, like as far as somebody going from say you know just doing it at their house to opening a distillery and, and scaling everything up, talk about some of the difficulties that they could potentially run into there. Sure, man. That's um, I would so I'd, I'd say the the first thing is money. You know, everybody runs out of money, and it's it's such a capital driven business that. You know, you, you need a good chunk of change to just get started. Um, yeah, I'd say that's probably the number one challenge that people face. But um, outside of that, I, I would say, you know, I'd probably resort back to education. You know, make sure that you know what you're getting involved in. Um, understand it enough to where you feel comfortable talking to people about it. And, and you understand your own process. You know, if you want to be a whiskey maker, know what that means and, and how to do that. Once you get all that out of the way, you got your money, you got your education, um, putting together a business plan, uh, I think, is, is be the next thing. Um, how many bottles do I need to sell to pay myself a salary? Uh, how many bottles do I need to sell to hire two 
distillery workers. You know, being able to answer those questions are, are really important to, to running a successful business. Um, once you get that out of the way, you know, decide, are, are you, are you going to run? Are you going to be the, the, the distiller yourself? Are you going to be out there trying to sell the product? You know, start thinking about what your structure looks like as far as, as the business goes. Um, once you get that out of the way, you know, start thinking about um, your, your home market. You know, I, I, I always, there, there was an old distillery. Um, I think the company was Death's Door. And, and they had this great branding. They had some great products. But when they started, they immediately wanted to be distributed across the country. You know, to them, that was a successful business plan. They didn't focus on their local market. They, that just wasn't part of their business plan. Their, their, their business plan was to go out this way, not to really go inward. Um, and that's so important. So they ended up bank, uh, bankrupt and they sold the business. Somebody else bought them. Um, and, and they said their, their downfall was that they didn't win their, their backyard, right? Their, their, their home base. That's the first thing you need to, people need to know who you are. Your local folks need to know who you are. You need to know that you were made there. That makes um, perfect sense. Yeah. Right. That, that's who's going to keep you in business are your regulars, you know? That's right. That's right. Who, they, who don't have to be drive a, across the country or have it shipped to them. They're just like, hey, man. Going by the distillery, they'll stop by there. I, I right. love this. I love this whiskey, or you know, I love this brandy. I'm getting it there because it's the best I ever had. And then they just, you know, you got a lifer, and that's right. what keeps you in business. They're they're proud that you, this is made in my hometown, or this is made in my home state. Um, so you have to have that. Then start looking outside, you know, neighboring states. Start looking for that distribution model, um, and come up with it with the strategic sales plan. Um, once you get past all those challenges, you have to just stay creative and, and keep making, um, products that, that people like, you know, and, um, and that ought to keep you busy for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> just that little bit. That's enough. <laughs> that's that's yeah. enough to keep you busy. It's, it's really challenging, man. It's, it's, um, there's so many things involved that, you know, you, you may have a retail background and have been really successful in that um, and, and ran your own business and, and know all the ins and outs about, about running a successful retail business. Well, retail is a component of this business, but there's all these other components that make up that whole pie. And if, if you're not, if you don't know them or, or you're not, familiar with them it can be daunting you know there's there's a lot you don't know what you don't know right That's and right um but it's it's i think it's a really rewarding business you know the community that's around it is fantastic you know it's it's very supportive um and and that alone i think is is fantastic you know i mean just just being in the in, in this industry um feels like you're not working you know you're doing something that you care about and it's uh it's easy to go to work every day yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so 
I know when we were uh, down there filming, <clears throat> um, we got to talking about, well, everybody there got to talk about, like, yeast, uh, nutrients, and stuff like that. Um, you know, a lot of people are real basic about it. Uh, me and him are one of them. But just kind of talk about uh, brands uh, that you like to use um, and kind of what you do every time. Not every time, but you know what I mean, like a like like do you propagate and or you know like... sure um yeah no uh so i primarily work with a company called firm solutions um they they're they froze at the last second didn't they <laughs> yeah we made it most of the way though you know it's good uh, Firm Solutions is real big. He's probably got the back. All right, he's back. My back. Yes, Sorry sir. That. That's all my good. Power, it happened. My power went out. Uh, we we we've had a lot worse technical difficulties than that. So <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> he was cool. talking about uh, you work with Firm Solutions. Yeah, Firm Solutions. So um, back in Arkansas, I, I had a great opportunity to play around with different yeast. Uh, brands, um, species. I mean, I got to, I got to just play with all of it, and it was really just trying to find what we wanted to use for the types of bourbons and whiskeys that we wanted to make. So, what's what's the best um, yeast strain that we could find, right? Whether it's conversion rates, uh, flavor profiles, all of those things we were testing and just trying to find the best yeast culture that we wanted to use. So man, every single yeast company that I could find to get my hands on, I bought it, played with it, fermented it, um, added more corn, added more rye. I mean, all these different variations of experimenting to, to find that yeast strain. Um, the, the most consistent that I found was, was firm solutions. They, they had the, the best, uh, conversion rates. Uh, I, I love the uh, the different aromas that would come off just in the fermenting stage. Not even talking about the distillate, but in the fermenting stage, you get like these banana pudding and banana bread and um, this really pungent smells in the fermentation. The yeast were happy. You know, they were they were doing what they do. Um, but so so I use a liquid enzyme. Um, to kind of set the stage for my yeast. There's a lot of purists out there that, that may giggle at that. Um, and it's funny, the, the, the fellow that I work with, uh, his name is Jim Beam No. And if the name doesn't tell you, um, you know, he comes from a long line of whiskey makers. And um, <laughs> the, the way that Jim Beam um, does their, their enzymes is they don't use any, any liquid. They, they do the old school route. They use um, malted barley and, and that's how they, you know, they break down um, and kind of set the stage for, for the yeast and, and the fermentation. So when I was talking to him about using liquid enzymes, he was like, get that shit out of here. You know, it's no, nobody does that. It's like, man, it's just Jim Beam that doesn't do that. But anyways, um, <laughs> so yeah, li liquid enzymes uh, usually use like a, um, an alpha amylase and, and that'll kind of start to thin things out a little bit. 
uh, I use that going up in temperature and then coming down, I'll use my gluco and uh, that'll kind of, again, just kind of help yeah. thin, thin things out a little bit more. And then once you get to the appropriate, usually I'll probably look to start pitching um, around 65, 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, that's usually, yeah, that's usually about when I decide to pitch. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if I have anything to say about yeast is people have to step away from using things like bread yeast. That's not for making spirits. And, <laughs> and, and I'll tell you why, you know, there's, there's, Just... there's yeast strains that have been geared towards alcohol um in 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 high doses you know they're the the yeast that's made for or geared for making wine doesn't have the same tolerances as something that's geared for making beer or cider you know so the, all of those yeast strains are geared for a particular threshold of alcohol concentration bread yeast it, and not to say what well, doesn't work it'll work but coming again from from an efficiency standpoint, from a commercial distilling standpoint, you want to you don't want to leave any money on the table. You want to make sure that all your sugars have been converted, and you're going to get the biggest yield out of that batch. So to do that, you have to use the appropriate yeast that can not only get that conversion but can withstand high alcohol content. But if but again, like. You know, I had the opportunity to play with all those different yeasts, and I developed my own opinion with that. So I, I wow. would encourage anybody to do the same thing. You know, if you want to learn about yeast, buy all of them. Write shit down. Be like, okay, this, this took two days to, to completely ferment. This took seven days, you know, and, and write all that data down. That data is so important. Um, but, yeah. That's my opinion on yeast. <laughs> hey, you know, everything has its place, and that's know, right. They, they that's all right. work. For, they all work for each other. That's what's cool, you know. Like, like you're a you're a whiskey in a barrel guy. Me and Sean are clear guys. Um, you got a vendetta against bread yeast. We're bread yeast guys. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> that's hilarious. And, wait, and not to say it doesn't work it works you know it, it definitely works but you're leaving money on the table you Understandable. Know, well you know we're not in it for the money so yeah right 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 so it's you know no it, no harm it, no foul. it's kind of like spirals and barrels you know like that's just it'll it'll work it's that's just right what do, you, what, do you, what are you trying to do with it but that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome but you know that's what we want here. That's that's what we want here. We want different sides of the fence. We want to know why you feel the way you do and why you like what you like. And you know we've talked about what we like enough. People already know, and it's that's, that's what we're here for. You know that's that's what's so great about it. Yeah, and and you know I think the the only way to get you know definitely form your own opinion. But if you can form that opinion on experimenting. I think I think you have a leg up because a lot of the people in this in our industry, especially in the moonshining world, uh, we're, we're taught by somebody. Mm -hmm. And 
and so all that information just got passed down from from somebody else and usually they'll stay in that realm they'll never venture out they they stay with what they know because it works you know and there's nothing wrong with that but to further that knowledge or or to further your own opinion you have to experiment mm-hmm. you know do do the same batch 10 different ways and that's going to tell you so much about your batch you you may be using too much sugar maybe using the wrong sugar um you know it could be the yeast culture maybe maybe it's the bread yeast i don't know but <laughs> i know what lorenzo's getting in the mail <laughs> a couple pounds of sap instant there you go but i mean so it, but if you made the same batch 10 different ways with 10 different yeast strains let it tell you what's the best for your recipe you know what i mean you try everything and see what you like the best because you never know. You know, you never know until you try it. That's right. the way it is. So, yep. So, what is your, uh, so what kind of plans do you have from here on out as far as uh, in the bourbon world? Yeah, man, plans. Um, so, right now, I'm, I'm working with a fantastic company, uh, Kentucky Owl. And um, it's it's a great project. The uh, the parent company Stoli, the the vodka maker, they um, they acquired this company back in 2017, and have really taken it taken it to a different level um, as far as distribution, coming up with with creative collaborations like uh, this St. Patty's that I'm sipping on. Um, but with all that happening, they they purchased a piece of property in Bardstown, which, if you didn't know, has been deemed the bourbon capital of the world. Uh, it's right on on the the bourbon trail. Where um, you know, just here in Bardstown, there's uh, twelve different distilleries within sixteen miles. So really important to bring a brand like this to the bourbon capital, and. Um, I, I've been given the responsibility to make sure this whiskey park happens, you know? So that's, that's probably what I see myself doing in the next 10 years, you know, is, is working on this project. Uh, I'd love to see the last building go up. And, um, and I think that'd be something to be really proud, proud about. And that's, that's all I got my eyes set on right now, man, is making this whiskey park come, come true. Nice. Cause it's been, uh, it's been four years in the making, you know, so. Yeah, that's about how long it's been since. I know <laughs> you get there. You know you get there eventually. So, uh, well, you know, good luck, man. We uh, really hope, really hope that, you know, it all works out. And once it's up and running, you know, I'm always down for road trips, especially for like Yeah, please, so. man. You guys are welcome down anytime. Bardstown is a fantastic place to visit, especially if you're in, into booze. Um. Yeah, come down anytime. Awesome. Hey, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to take you up on that offer, hopefully sometime soon. Yeah, please, we need to get man. together. It's been too long. It's been a clock. Well, damn, it's been over three years now. Yeah, I don't think we've seen each other in person since the show. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah, went we down have... to one of the fall jams. I think I missed it. Hell, I haven't been down to a fall jam in two – Hell, about three years. Come think of it. 
Man. Okay. Yeah, it's been a minute. Wow. That's crazy. Yep. Hell yeah, man. Um, so there was one other question I got to ask. <clears throat> we ask everybody. <laughs> well, not everybody. Uh, but... <laughs> do you have a story to where, like, liquor almost killed you? My bad. I, that's not the question I thought you was going to ask. But <laughs> wait, I mean, that's a good question. Uh, that I thought liquor was going to kill me. You know, or, or like a good moonshine story, you know. Everybody's got one, like one good moonshine story. Whether Something it kills you, you, you know, it was best time, best, best night of your life, uh, you know. It's... Um. Okay, so I can't think of any story that liquor almost killed me, but again, <laughs> yeah, That's hasn't good. happened yet, you know. But um, I would say um, a good moonshine story was the. I think was getting inducted into this moonshine community. You know, I, I never had the opportunity to really um, not necessarily respect, but just understand the moonshine community from the perspective I got to by being on the show that, that really opened my eyes to even the hobbyist level of what people were doing and, and just creative ways of approaching uh, different spirits and you know I've always been you know f from when I cut my teeth and got into the industry I've been in this commercial mindset and and that was kind of a breath of fresh air you know I, meeting people like Sean and and asking him you know what what he what he likes to make and why and um, and then seeing some of them even doing it on the show while we were filming um, that was that was a really neat experience for just for that is just to be able to appreciate a different level in the industry that I wasn't really exposed to, and then after the show, now now I have this whole new family of moonshine folks that, um, you know, every I mean you know the moonshine people right? They're we're we're a little bit different, and 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 that's okay, you know, and um, um, yeah, it's a great it's a great bunch of folks and. I'd have to say that's probably my best moonshine story is just being exposed to the moonshine community and then kind of being inducted into the moonshine community. So nice. that was a great experience. It's it's the camaraderie for me, you know, it's, there's so much camaraderie in this. And, you know, I've, I've talked about it before. I, I grew up playing sports, you know, football a whole life. And, you know, you're always in that team setting and, and you know, all for one, one for all. We're all going to do what's best for the next person. And, you know, after, after you're out of that for a while, you don't, it's, it's hard to find, you know, like you get it right. all with your family, everybody's got the same interests, but then, you know, you get into something like this and, and you meet a lot of people who really love what you love and you all have the same interest and, and they got your back and they'll help you for anything. And it just, that, that camaraderie reminds me of a team sport, you know, the fam, the family and, and the, the bonds that you create from people that you've never met in your whole life. Like, you know, there's right. people um on the other side of the country i've never met in my whole life but still consider them friends just because we talk and we help and and so you know like that's to me that's one of the best parts about it like you said just the you know the network like the brotherhood and, yes the brotherhood that's created that is here if if you could take advantage of it you know <laughs> yeah yeah no i i agree man and, it, and it's 
it's the same on every level. So at the at the moonshine level, not not that there's different levels and one's higher than the other, but the moonshine community and that brotherhood also exists on the highest level where Jim Beam, Heaven Hill, Lux Row, Barton, Makers, we can all sit in the same room and talk shit and 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 still have a great time and have that support and we're yep. we're a community, you know, so that's that's beautiful. Like you it's said, thing. Um, like you said, one's no no better than the other, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, the home distillers and other home distillers have the same challenges as to where big distilleries, you know, distillers and the distillers of other big distillers have the same challenges. <clears throat> you know, as right. to where they wouldn't have, you know, you wouldn't have the same challenges as say me. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, hundred gallon. You know, that's there. There may be similar challenges, maybe not exactly the same, you know, but um, but they're they're very relatable, you know, and and I think maybe that's what makes the camaraderie and that brotherhood maybe even exist is that we all understand the challenges that that you're going through, and if I can help you. And you, or you can help me. It, it just, it's a nice thing to do, you know. And and that's um, we've all been there. Even as a big distillery, you didn't start as a big distillery, you know. It's like, it's like you you start small, you know. You you get your footing small. So we all started in the same spot, you know. Right. And you know, I mean, like you said, you like to do the R and D and and the test batches. So you you know. In the end, we're all the same, you know. We all we all do yeah. the same shit, and right. Well, it's it's easy to relate and and can appreciate the yeah the challenges and successes, you know, the failures and the successes. I think can both be celebrated and appreciated. So, absolutely. Yeah, man, uh, I really appreciate you coming on tonight. It's been a hell of a good time, and I think yeah, a lot of a people pleasure. really. That's just it, you know. We have a lot of people on here that are maybe just starting distilleries or um, home distillers themselves, you know. Um, a lot of people don't get to see the the other end of it, you know. And yeah. that's I, I think a lot of people really need to see that, especially um, when they think they know where they're going or they, they think they know where they want to be going. Sure, yeah. It, yeah, man, it's it's all perspective, you know. And um, if if you if you want to get into the industry, there's there's ways to do it. There's people to talk to. There's books you can read. There's forums and podcasts you can watch. And and that's that's how it happens, you know. If you the more you can involve yourself in, in the industry or the community, um, you know the you now you're a part of it you know so um yeah i would encourage anybody who wants to be a part of the industry is you know educate yourself ask those stupid questions you know um and don't be afraid to experiment that's that's keep experimenting keep learning keep asking questions don't be afraid to fail don't be afraid oh yeah because you're not failing you just you just you're learning just learning 
learning That's situations. Right. No failures are just learning situations. But listen, we appreciate you giving us an hour of your time, over an hour of your night on a Monday night. You know, we appreciate everybody listening. Um, stick around. Uh, don't sign off as soon as we sign off here. So we'll shoot the shit for a minute afterwards. Um, I appreciate but, you guys. You know, Thank you for having me on. It was an honor. Um, you want to come back again in the future? Get with Sean. I know we're booked a couple months out. So <laughs> we got we had quite a few shows coming at everybody. So yep. um, so we appreciate everybody. Love everybody. Um, we will see everybody on Monday the 3rd, I believe. Um, who we got, Sean? Kevin Gordon. Oh, yeah, Kevin Gordon coming on, huh? Kevin. Oh, wait, hold on. Monday the 3rd, maybe. I may have messed that up. He's on the... Give me one second. Now that you got me under the gun here, eh, it don't matter. We'd expect Sean to be prepared anyway. So, oh, we got Christopher Lewis. He is the owner and head distiller at um, Taps Hilltop Distillery in Honey, in uh, Bainbridge, Ohio. Oh, we got an Ohio show next week. Y'all tune in for that. It's going to be a good one. Yep. <laughs> but, anyways, everybody have a great night, um, whiskey man. We appreciate your time and your knowledge you gave to us. Uh, soak it in. I'll be watching this episode a couple times. Always do. So everybody have a great night. Sean, have a great night. I hope you feel better. I hope the little one feels better. So finish that off and get you some rest. (laughs) Everybody have a great night. And uh, appreciate you guys. Thanks guys. Appreciate it.